ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 27 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn about offers, promotions, and more at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Welcome back to another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I hope wherever you're at, you are having a great time watching the NCAA tournament, watching some spring training baseball, basketball, hockey. We've got it all going on right now. And I hope you had a great collecting week, whether that is for a side hustle, whether you're building a business on the side like I am, or whether you're just collecting for the fun of it. I hope you had a great week. I know I did. I had a combination of things that I acquired both for the PC and for the shop and for resale. And so that was that was great for me. I got a couple cricket cards for the collection. I got some wrestling cards for the collection that I that I wanted to, to add on. And so I was happy about that. And I also was able to acquire some inventory for the shop. And so both both some singles that I've got repriced and as well as yesterday. At our monthly show, somebody walked in with a small bundle of sealed wax from the 90s. So I got some wax boxes of 89 Fleer uh, for that Griffey Chase that people still like to open up packs to, to collect, as well as some 1990 Fleer basketball rack pack boxes. And one of the things I love about that the most is I was actually able to, throughout the rest of the show, I was able to recoup about a third of my cost already on the same day by selling some of those uh, boxes right away at the show. And so um, it's always nice when you make a purchase, you recoup about a third of your cost within the first three hours of, of the purchase. And so confident that I'll be able to do all right on the rest of that little collection that I bought. So it's been it's been a good hobby week for me, both on the PC side as well as the business side of things. Well, today I want to welcome back to the show Tim Shepler. Tim was one of the former hosts of the About the Cards show they were one of the first people to have me on as a guest when I was just blogging at the time. And they kind of gave me a taste for what it would be like to do my own show and to podcast for myself. And so um, I appreciate Tim and and what he did to help get me started. I consider him a friend and wanted to bring him on because some things have changed for him since the last time that he was on the show. And so I thought it'd be good to bring him back. And so he is our featured guest today. And I'm going to run that interview right after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors that break new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. You can find out what they're going to be breaking this week by going to udogcollect.com. You can also visit them at their shop in Knoxville, Tennessee to see their full selection of wax and singles and watch them break in the shop. One of the other things that you can do now is work with them to directly submit the cards from your break to SGC. They are now an SGC group submitter. And so you can learn more about that by visiting udogcollect.com and telling them Wax Pack Hero sent you. Hi, this is Scott Spezio and you're listening to the Wax Packs Hero Sports Card Minute. 
Tim Schepler, welcome back to the show. What's up, Mike? It's been a while. And I just want to know before we start, do I still have the most listened to episode? I know I was up there. You were in that in that first the first time you were on, you had the the throne of the most listened to episode. I don't believe that is the case uh, anymore. Well, we got we got to work on that today. But yeah, Mike, it's good to be back. I miss doing the podcasting. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on and, and done one. So when you reached out, I was like, let's do it. I got some time and let's have some fun today. Yeah, I always, I always enjoy talking with you, whether it's for a, a show or whether it's just us catching up on what's going on. So I definitely want to bring you back on because the last time we talked, we discussed buying and selling cards as a side hustle. That's something that we were both doing. That's something that that we were both having a lot of fun doing at that time. But since then, some things have changed for you and you've gone full time into cards. And so I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about that today because you, you're one of those people that have gone full-time into cards. Bo, One Million Cubs has gone full-time into cards. There's a few folks that were doing it as a side hustle that have moved into full-time cards. And so I, I wanted to bring out that perspective, talk about what some of those things have entailed, some of what you've learned. And so that's hopefully what we'll get into today. Tell me about that transition. It's been a little while now, but, but talk about that transition between having a, a regular full-time job and then moving and transitioning into doing cards full-time. Yeah. So it all kind of goes back to February of 21. Um, my job I was doing health insurance stuff and lost my job uh, due to COVID issues or whatever it was the, the reason they gave me, but it was, it was the best thing that's, that's happened to me in a long time. And honestly, that, that day I was, I was super, like, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared. I was like, cool gonna be more free time to figure out really what I want to do and cards was it and so I started doing them on my own and I'd been setting up at local shows but we hadn't had any for a while so in August of 21 I ended up set up across the across the row from another you know some other dealers and he recognized my voice from about the cards podcast he was a listener and we started talking he tells me he's opening a card shop and he's looking for people and so he's chatting and whatever and um, I didn't mind put anything really to it because people tell you stuff all the time well, I ended up talking to my sister and come to find out she was telling me, hey, there's this guy opening a card shop in Lincoln or like Roseville or Rockland. And, you know, you might want to reach out and get to know him. His name's Emran. And I was like, well, I met an Emran this weekend. Like, how weird is that? So I reach out. My sister worked with his wife in a, at a previous job they both worked at. And then so I have this connection. So we started talking. And within, I don't know, a month or so, six weeks, he's bringing me on board to help open a brand new card shop in an area there hasn't been one in over 30 years. Um, and it's, I mean, we, we opened the doors the Saturday following um, uh, Thanksgiving, so Black Friday weekend, and it has been a blast. I mean, right now I'm putting in probably six hours or six days a week, sometimes seven, um, but it doesn't feel like a job. It really doesn't. Uh, to do cards and deal with this day to day, uh, I, I, like I tell everybody, like, you know, the 12 year old version of myself would have pinched, would have been gone nuts and said I was a liar because there's no way that at, at 42, I'd be doing and, and, and dealing in cards all day long and meeting people and watching sports. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of, it's a lot more work than people think, uh, doing a shop. Uh, there's a lot that has to be done a lot. You have to certain way you have to present yourself and the way you do business means a lot in how you treat people. 
but for me, it's always been that standard and I, I brought that here. So it's been, it's been a wild ride. So starting the shop from scratch at the point where you kind of came on board as, as somebody who's going to be a, a key part of that, you know, was there a location? Was there uh, relationships with manufacturers or distributors at that point? Or was that all part of what you were helping get off the ground? Well, yeah, we had a location picked out. There was nothing in it. It was uh, an old tanning salon at one point. And uh, the suite had been divided up. A little pet, the vet next door had taken half of it. And so there was half left. It's about, I would say, a little over 1,900 square feet. And so we were working to get, uh, it took six weeks to get a wall built and talking maybe a 20 foot wall that spans the back of the shop to give us a back room, uh, just because of permits and stuff. But, uh, there was another guy on board. His name is Sean. He was going to be the general manager, run the shop day to day. And I was just going to be full time helping out with the prospects of opening a second location. And we had to deal with the local distributor. Uh, we're lucky enough to have one of the bigger distributors in the country, just 10 minutes up the street. Uh, and so we already had that in place. And so it was just kind of, uh, you know, getting cases, getting the product in here, going through stuff. Uh, we have tons of memorabilia. So getting all of that together, organized and, and put out. And uh, that, uh, you know, that was kind of um, what I brought in here was getting stuff to organized and, and put out and, and priced and, and ready to go for the shop and build everything. I mean, I've built so many Ikea uh, cube shelves, uh, furniture tables we have, uh, for people to sit down and open at. So it's been, uh, yeah, been a lot. Do you stock singles as well as wax then? Oh yeah. We had, we had a hot corner, which was, uh, two of those big Ikea things are like five by five cubes. And that was not enough. So we had to expand at the other corner and that, and almost all of them are full. Now we have a full thing for baseball, basketball, and football. And so we're, we're talking, there's probably, I would say 300,000 singles or more on the floor right now. And uh, we have so many, so many more in the back. I'd say there's probably like a million back singles back here to go through, to put out to the floor. And we moved through this product pretty quick. We're trying to uh, rotate that inventory uh, every day. We're putting new stuff out. I'm actually doing that right now. So as you were stocking that initial singles inventory, did that come just from local collections? Were, did you, were you able to utilize some of what you had been taking to shows and things like that as part of that seed inventory? Or how did you go about kind of building that, that initial launch inventory from a singles perspective? Yeah, the, so the shop, the shop owner, Emran, he, um, he has a company called True Autographs. So he's been, for about 20 years, he's been doing autographs and representing players and stuff. But he had also been set up at shows and knew he wanted to open a shop. So in the last... I'd say like the three or four months before we opened, he'd started buying large bulk collections. Plus he had a ton of his own stuff that he had over years. He once had a, a shop in the early 2000s uh, down in Stockton and it was in the mall and it had to close because of 9-11. Uh, the mall traffic really slowed. He, you know, he was in his early 20s. The business wasn't successful and he moved on to other ventures, but still had stuff from there and had still been collecting. Uh, the weekend before we opened, we went to out, down to a show in the Bay Area and we bought out tables. I'm like, I'm talking, we walked up to tables and said, how much? And they go for what? And I said, well, like this entire table. And we were just buying dealers out. One guy said, oh, I've been looking for somebody like you all day long. Now this was the two day show. This was on Saturday. The show started at 10. This was 1145. And he was already telling me he'd been looking all day for somebody like me to buy up all of his singles. And I was like, you've been, you've been out here an hour and a half. You're ready to dump your stuff. Okay. And that, and we were legitimately just buying people out and they didn't care. And the, it, just the stuff had been rolling in. 
And the word is out here in Sacramento that we love to buy and trade. We have people inundating us with stuff all the time. And it's, it's amazing. And it's crazy, crazy, crazy. What walks in the second day we're open. We had a 33 Gaudi Ruth walk in PSA one. Uh, we've had a Jackie Robinson autographed baseball come in the door. Uh, we've had Willie Mays bats, uh, jerseys. I can't tell you the stuff that just, that just walks in the door that people have. So yeah, we're sourcing a lot of inventory from a bunch of different spots. How did you go about building your customer base? Uh, Instagram's been huge and in, in Twitter. Um, you know, I'm not as big an Instagram. I am getting there now. Uh, but a couple of the other guys involved in the shop have a good following there. So it was us sharing that, uh, switching on Twitter and then just being the local card shows and knowing, uh, the local collectors and just start building on it. Uh, we've ho hosted two trade nights and both have had over a hundred people throughout the three hours, uh, that we've, we've had those we've done signings. And so just kind of getting the word out there and we've had Raleigh fingers in the shop. We had Horace Grant in the shop coming up. We have Rick Barry uh, at the end of the month. So we're just doing a lot of things differently that people aren't doing in the area. Offering singles is the biggest thing. Um, a lot of the shops in the area, and I don't, I don't fault them. That's what they want to do is they're really into wax or they're into breaking. Uh, and they might have a few showcases out with singles, but they don't have bo dollar boxes to dig through, $3 boxes to dig through, slab boxes to dig through, prices, mark boxes. We have all that stuff on the floor. And so the word is kind of just spread uh, throughout the community here that uh, this is the place. And also to um, Mojo Sports, uh, Jay, um, he's really big on, on um, Instagram and YouTube. He's on Twitter. Don't get him confused with my guys down at Mojo Break, but uh, he's a local guy and uh, he comes in, he's done some videos here in the shop and that's driven a ton of traffic in here as well. Yeah. That's one of the things I wanted to touch on. You know, you've got a podcasting background. There's a lot of people who are show dealers or, you know, side hustle dealers that have a presence on social media and, and are creating content. I was curious, you know, with your background in podcasting, how does content come into play or do you have a plan for content to be a part of the the overall package of what you guys are are doing is you know at the shop yeah we do and i i we're gonna have a, a shop podcast here um i just there's a couple other things i need to get rolling um i actually five like seven days into us being open the original general manager quit and uh and i and i was handed the reins of the shop and i wasn't expecting that i was expecting to be full-time do some of the other ancillary things for the shop, uh, eBay store, uh, doing a podcast, doing some of the content stuff. And uh, now all that general manager stuff has fallen in my lap, which has been great. Uh, so those things have kind of come to the to the back back burner, but they are up and coming. Uh, and so it's, I'm excited to do a pod. I kind of miss it. I was really burnt out towards the end of about the cards. Uh, we're going to be doing something different here, but I, I, I'm excited. So we're going to be doing something very soon with that. And you know, we have a lot of guys that have come in the shop that have created content in the shop and, and shared that. So we've, you know, been pushing that and using that. So my partner with, with, with those guys to do a little bit more, maybe for us and sharing in our channel, as well as theirs. What's been the biggest adjustment for you personally in that transition from being kind of a hobby side hustle into being kind of your full-time job thing, things that you're, you know, now dependent on that as your, as your um, main source of income. Yeah, the one thing I, I could say is at the moment is just working so much is a little bit of lost time with my family. 
but my wife's understanding we're building something. And so that's good. And I try to make as much time for them as possible, but work related, you have to lose the emotion in cards. And what I mean by that is that when something, as we say, bright and shiny comes in, you know, that PSA 10, John Morant, gold rookie auto out of 10 walks in the door. You can't lose focus uh, because it's such a ridiculous card that walks in the door. You have to realize it's just a card. It has a value to something. It's a commodity where you can move it. You can trade it. You can sell it. You do something with it. But would you rather have that or would you rather have a thousand prism raw or prism, you know, graded John Morant base cards. And so it, you just, you can't get lost in, oh my God, that's a great card. You have to go, is that card movable? Is that card liquid? Uh, I much rather, I have these, you know, big dollar cards in the case and I much rather take a giant card like we did with the Gaudi Ruth. We had it for, I don't know, three, four weeks. And we broke it up into some cash and a whole bunch of Justin Herbert rookie cards. Well, why did you do that? Well, because the Ruth has a limited market. Not a lot of people rolling around nine grand looking for a Babe Ruth, but people are looking for Justin Herbert graded cards. And there's a lot more of those right now. And then you break it up. And so you can sell those pieces off faster than you can one big piece. It's kind of like trying to trade Russell Westbrook's big contract, right? It's really hard to find a buyer for that guy. But if he was broken up into smaller segments, it's a lot easier to do. And so that's just kind of what I've been trying to help the guys with. Some of the guys in the shop is understanding that, yeah, those cards are cool, but take those feelings out of it. And you kind of have to go numb a little bit. And after a while, you kind of, you know, doing deals, you kind of do it. It's not a bad thing. Um, I get excited when I do a personal deal, but when it's shop related, I just, I, I tune it out. Yeah, that, that's, it sounds a lot like some of the guidance that I got when I was first starting to, to set up at shows. One of kind of my hobby mentors, he kind of guided me towards, hey, you're going to have a couple showcases and it's a good idea to have a couple kind of glamour cards in those showcases, but those aren't the ones that you're probably going to sell. They're going to get some eyeballs, but it's all the cards that you surround those glamour cards with are the ones that you're going to move. And yep. so you're using the, those bigger cards to gain some attention, but it's all the cards around them is what you're really trying to, to, to move and, and, and keep, keep flowing through there. And so um, it sounds a lot like that. There's, there's going to be some of those big cards, but, but those aren't necessarily the ones that are going to drive a lot of your revenue. No. And I, and I learned that doing the card shows. Like I was the quarter box guy at the show. I was the one with the $1 and $3 boxes. And when I would tell people that, you know, I was doing on a bad show, you know, five, six grand in sales and I was selling quarter cards. They looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, no, because people, more people can afford that. And they're going to sit down and go through those dollar and $3 boxes than they are to walk in and buy this, this awesome one of one. And a point I can put out is that I know someone locally here that was heavily invested, had, had money in, again, invested. Uh, he took his own money, spent it on a player. Uh, had a bunch of one-on-ones because he believed in this player and this player ended up being Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley sat out half a last season. So his value went down. And then yesterday he gets suspended for a full year for gambling on football. What happens the value is that card. Now, if you didn't have the one of ones and they were a bunch of raw or they a bunch of graded rookie cards, okay. It's not as much of a loss, but when they're very high end cards of a, of a player, that's not retired hall of fame deceased, there's a lot that can go on. And so that's, and they look neat. Yeah, they're cool. 
But at the end of the day, the other stuff is, is like I said before, way more liquid and to me, a lot more fun to sell. What about from a, a personal collecting focus? Has, has there been any change to how you've gone about building your own collection because of this? No, but my organization at home is trash. I mean, my office was pristine when I started working here. And now there's just stuff all over the place. My eBay purchases, like I didn't open my eBay purchases for probably six or eight weeks. And I, my wife gave me two large bags full of mail. Said, sit down and open this because I'm tired of being on the table over here. Um, and so I've gotten better about cleaning it up, but no, I'm still focused. I mean, um, you know, I'm still doing my Royals and giant stuff and, you know, some Buster Posey PC things, uh, George Brett and always Garrett Hampson. He was in series one. So I was really happy with that. Um, so I'm still picking up things here and there, but, uh, you know, it just that spending time when I go home with my cards is not a priority anymore because I want to spend that time with my family. And so it's just kind of working out a happy medium between the both. And like, I'm not burnt out on cards, but when I get home there's another focus that I need to take care of. So. Yeah. And I think that's healthy. I think that's one of those adjustments that, that we all have to make. The same thing happens to me. I'm, you know, my, I'm only at the shop on Saturday and Sunday afternoons, but the same thing pretty much every Saturday and Sunday evening, I'm not doing anything with cards. It's going to be time that I'm, I'm spending with the family. And so it, it's not a five day a week thing for me where, where I've got that full-time focus, but I definitely have that same perspective on those days that I'm at the shop as well. What about the hobby has you excited for the rest of 2022? Um, you know, one, I, it, it hopefully have a baseball season uh, because I think that there's a lot of people anticipating baseball products. The other thing I'm excited about is maybe Panini can get out all of their 2021 football stuff. I mean, uh, they have what they usually do, what, 35, 36 releases. And I believe they're in the early, like they have like 2021 out currently. Don't quote me on the numbers, but it's somewhere in that neighborhood. So we're still talking, they have a third of their product they haven't released yet. And so I'm excited. Hopefully that will come out, but I think it blends into the draft and the new draft class. And thank God that this draft class is not offensively heavy uh, with stars at those skill positions. It's linemen, it's defensive players, um, or they lose its luster. So I think we're going to see football kind of continue and um, drive some, drive some business. Um, but I'm excited. The fact that I think the price that bubble kind of deflated somewhat. People are like, why, you know, what happened to Kobe? Why does prices fall so much? I said, it's because there was a giant bubble and it was overvalued. It came back to earth. And this is where the prices are settling. This is where they probably should have been and should be. And you shouldn't see much flex fluctuation in a guy like that. Um, so, and, and then some of the prospects, like I want to see Bobby Witt, right? I'm a Royals fan. I want to see what Dominguez has. I don't know, or Anthony Volpe for the Yankees. Like all these guys have some hype, but they really haven't played because 21 and 20, there wasn't a minor league season. They had a very limited season last year. And it's like, let's get these, let's see what these prospects are doing. So I have some hope and uh, I'm excited that uh, personally that I might be attending the national, which I didn't think was going to happen this year, but it looks like I might be headed out there. So, you know, I just, I'm optimistic that, that some of the people hopped on board that were in it for the quick money grab have kind of washed off. Um, I think we've seen, I know on like TikTok and these fringe breakers, a lot of them have started to fall off that were out there because they, one can't get product or it's too expensive or they're getting banned for opening a box of cards with a blade on, on screen and TikTok's then banning them. Um, 
and I like what whatnot's kind of done. And I, I've done some whatnot sales. And I think that they're, cause they're qualifying the, the sellers on there versus just allowing anybody to do it. So I think that's, that's a positive in the right direction for this hobby. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And then I'm, I'm super excited that fanatics is taking over. So I don't think tops and, and now that they're part of fanatics, but before tops and Panini earned the right to make trading cards for all of us anymore, because I think they've been taking advantage of us for a number of years and the fact that they kind of got their one up and a little bit to me is like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I I'm excited that things are starting to normalize a little bit too. Um, you know, we saw the massive run up. We saw the massive entrance of new people into the hobby. Some of them to make a quick buck. Some of them because they're true people who had been in the hobby in the past that have now come back into the hobby had found the hobby again and even though we've seen a pullback, I think we have, we're pulling back to a level that has a greater base of collectors than we had before in 2016, 2017, 2018. And that excites me because I think the floor has grown. I think that overall collecting base has grown, even though it's come down off, off of some of the peaks. And I hope that means that we're going to see some more stabilized, normal prices, but with a greater collecting base that is going to help support future growth on in, on into the, the coming years. Yeah. And I agree with that. The greater collecting base, I think, I think with the growth, it's good. Um, it's, it's more eyes to it. It's, it's becoming more normalized. I think more people are looking back into it and, you know, with people always talk about the overproduction there, you know, they're like, there's so many wanders made this year, right. For serious, Guys, they're not ever going to be as many Wander Francos made as they made of the 1989 Upper Deck Griffey card. I'm telling you that right now. They, because the 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 plain explanation. I'm I'm sitting here and I have 90s tops. I'm going to show Mike. I got 90s tops right here. In 1990, tops made one had one release. It was 90 tops, so they could print this for 12 months before they had to release 91 tops. So they just hit print, left the building, and they said, "Let it print. We'll come back to it in a, a year. And when it's done printing, we'll load the new stuff and and print that out." They have to make 35, 36 releases a year. They have to put in autos. They have to put in MIM. They have to put in serial number cards. So obviously the print runs are high compared to maybe 2005. But in 2005, the hobby was not, I mean, it was on like probably life support. I wasn't involved in there. I didn't come back till 2012. And even then it was, you know, wasn't doing all that great. So the fact that more people are into it and looking at it and there's a better quality collector, I think now, uh, more educated or collectors are getting more educated. I think it's a good thing for all of us. I had several questions for you. We like this to be a conversation. Yeah. Anything on your mind that you've had questions for me about since we talked last? Yeah. Yeah. So like, just real, go back to the Panini thing real quick. So what are your thoughts? I mean, they have, I don't know, 15 releases still out to do out. Like, so we haven't had contenders. We haven't, and they're supposed to come out this week. Origins is supposed to come out this week. You have Prism, you have Select that's not out. Um, you have uh, Optics not out, National Trade, all these big, all the ones that people want, the mid-end to mid to high-end products are not out. And usually at this point, maybe there's five or six left to open. But Contenders and Prism are out during this, towards the end of the season. So you can speculate that, hey, this guy's going to take off. We know what these rookies rookie seasons were their prices aren't going to go up or down or get, someone's not going to have a great week to drive something or have a bad week to have a drop because the season's over. And now we're looking forward to the new class that's coming out. 
what do you think that's going to do to the football product still to still out still to come out? Yeah, I don't think it's just a football issue, right? We have the same thing with basketball that tops just had their industry conference. And I think they said at that conference, there's still 10 or 11 2021 baseball products that they haven't released yet that are are planning to come out while we're already seeing 2022 be released, you know, and, and that's everything from some of the higher end stuff to products like big league, which I love, but was supposed to be a, like May of 21 release, right? I, I had put out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I said, when does the season start or stop mattering when it comes to some of these releases? At what point does all credibility go away when we're seeing cards being quote unquote released from a season that's a whole season ago that the new season's already going and and in full swing. At what point do we lose any kind of credibility and does the year even stop mattering? Like, are we going to get to a point where it's 2025 and we're still releasing 2022 product just because it hadn't been released yet? You know, like there's a point where that, that sense of credibility completely goes away. Now I feel for tops and I feel for Panini and I feel for upper deck because I don't think it's all their fault. Right. I think there are true logistics issues that have caused some of this pain. And I think that I, and I fully recognize and understand they don't want to completely like let go that revenue, but there's gotta be a point in my opinion, where you draw a line in the sand and say, Hey, this is just going to suck, but we're going to have to just cut this product because producing a product that's two or three seasons old, just because this is now finally the time that we can get it printed. That just seems silly to me. Upper deck, at least there were, there were several products that they did cut from the 2022 or 21, 22 um, product cycle because of those logistics issues. I I give them some kind of um, props for making those tough calls and kind of just cutting products that, that we're going to, going to, get delayed too far into the future but with panini and tops we haven't really seen them cut any products yet but i think in my opinion the time is coming where that needs to happen again that's tough for, or easy for you and i to say when it's it's not our company and it's not our revenue and profits that are on the line but i i have a hard time reconciling the credibility aspect of releasing products after the next season has already started yeah, I agree. I think that should be the line of demarcation for them. You know, what's the loss of, it's not like big league was flagship, right? So the loss of not having a big league product out for 21, I, if you pulled collectors, I think most of them would go, okay, we're not, we're not going to flip out and scream and, 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 you know, die over that. We, we, we are, we're okay. You know, just, just try to try, try to stay up, you know, strike and the, th- the other thing is, is there's not been a lot of communication from these companies on, you know, what's going on with the delays. It's just getting delayed, delayed, delayed. And collectors are just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. And what else it's doing, and I can tell you from a shop perspective, is that it's driving all, like in football especially, there's so, there's so much limited with 21 football product with five first-round quarterbacks, right, that it's driving up products, uh, like rookies and stars, uh, certified, uh, that are okay. Donruss that are okay products, but maybe shouldn't be, uh, like, okay. Mosaic hobby boxes, like eight, seven, $800, wherever you look, 
there is no way that product should be an $800 product. And it's driving these other products up because what had happened is the market's drying up and there's not enough product of that to open. So more and more people are going, well, I got to spend it because it's not available. It's like gas prices. I looked at gas prices here in California, what, driving to work, 560 was like the low, 569 was the lowest price I saw. I was like, I paid 479 last Thursday. And it's because the availability of that oil right now with everything that's going on in the world. And, and I, underst I understand, I'll pay that price not to deal with, you know, that country over there that's doing, you know, horrific things. So I'm fine with that. But that's what's happening, right? Is that when the supply is less than, or the demand's greater than the supply, obviously prices of things that you don't, you don't necessarily like are going to go up. And it's, but people are buying stuff they don't like. People are buying playoff football for like $400 for $500 a box. Have you seen playoff football? First of all, not a pretty product. And second of all, what's coming out isn't great, but they're doing it. And it's because it's the only thing on the, on the shelf. And it makes, it hurts. It hurts my soul a little bit as a collector going, you want to go eat a, you're paying the price of a, of a, of a prime rib and you're getting a two day old McDonald's hamburger that wasn't refrigerated. Like, yeah, well, one of the things that I always tell people when they kind of talk about that is, you know, I, I start to ask them, what is it that you enjoy about collecting? You know, is it is the only thing that you enjoy opening brand new product or do you enjoy building a collection of certain players and um, and things like that? Because there's more to there it, depending on what you want to do there's more opportunity to collect than opening brand new products. You don't have to open brand new products to enjoy the hobby. And so I will start to point them towards, maybe you can focus on building out a collection of singles. Maybe you can, you know, just buy complete sets, whatever it might be. It, you don't have to just focus or rely on the availability and the purchase of brand new sealed wax to enjoy the hobby. And, there's a few people that said, but man, I just love opening up stuff. And I'm like, that's great. Then, then that's the reality that you're going to have to live in for a little while. Yeah. But if it's about building a collection of cards that you love, of players that you love, if it's learning a new sport or a new niche hobby or a, you know, a new niche topic, the, the episode that I just released today was about collecting some of the niche sports like cricket or lacrosse or you know, some of these things that tennis, boxing, things that have cards and even cards that date back to the pre-war era, but aren't necessarily mainstream, but provide an opportunity to learn and collect and, and, and find some cards that are 100 years old. You know, there are other opportunities out there if you love collecting as a whole, but even collecting specific players and building collections of the superstars of today there's a lot of opportunity to do that without buying brand new sealed wax and and like you had said before i, I hope that there are collectors who start to become more edu educated on that full range of what's available in this hobby that, that there's a lot more to collecting than just opening sealed wax well, yeah. And, and my question is when people come in and they're like disappointed or they see the price on something and I say, Hey, listen, that's, that's where we are. And, and I go, what are you looking to, to do? What are you looking to pull out of the box? And they said, you know, I'm looking for XYZ player. I'm like, well, have you ever thought about just buying the card you wanted? Well, that sounds much fun. I said, yeah, but your money could be better spent doing that. And they looked at me confused and I'm like, okay, so you could buy the box for $500 and hope 
hope beyond hope that you're going to get that Mac Jones auto that you want. Or you can go over here and I have a Mac Jones auto for 450. Well, I didn't, I didn't pull myself. I understand that's part of it, but I can tell you that the chances of you pulling that Mac Jones out of that one box is not that great, you know? And I have guys that come in and they'll like, I took, we took a trade in the other day. It was a Anthony Edwards, rookie silver, Panini prism silver, the optic hollow, Anthony Edwards, a shock uh, optic uh, Luca Doncic rookie and a Lamello uh, prism. What was it? The photo variation. And he traded for a box of obsidian nineteen twenty obsidian, hoping to get an ant, um, hoping to get a jaw auto. He got a Walt Clyde Frazier auto and a Nico Melli the disappointment, the look on his face. And this is a uh, customer comes in a lot. I felt so bad for him. And he was like, that's just the way it goes. Trying to chase what you, you know, what you want. But inside I'm like, and he came back the next day. He's been back three other times since, but I just felt awful because at the end of the day, like he probably could have waited, traded some more and got that jaw auto or just sold them for cash and bought a jaw auto or had money to put towards one. But trying to pull, it's just, I, and so I'm like all day long, I'll trade, I'll trade singles of known, you know, quantities, guys that we know that'll be liquid in the store for, for wax all day long, hoping you guys, you're going to hit the guys you just traded me. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's that lotto ticket thing. I, I go bought wax of scratchers, man. I said, if you don't like playing scratchers or you don't like pulling the slot machine, then don't open wax. Cause it's the exact same thing. Well, hey, I appreciate you spending a few minutes catching up. It's good to hear about that transition. Like I said, it's something that a lot of people talk about, a lot of people think about. It's kind of on a bucket list item for many of us in the hobby. And so getting a chance to talk with somebody who's actually made that transition, I think is great. And I think some people are going to have some, some good takeaways from this. Anything else before we go that you want to let people know about? Oh yeah. I want to plug, I want to plug the shop. So we're true sports cards and collectibles in Rockland, California, right side of Sacramento. You can follow us on IG at true sports cards, Twitter uh, at true sports cards. Uh, we're going to have a signing a month here. Uh, at least we have Rick Barry coming up in uh, March. We have uh, the hall of famer, Alex English coming in in April. We're working on a couple other uh, guys as well to come in and do signings. We're doing trade nights of once every 90 days or so. Um, and if you're looking for singles, we're, we're the place to come. Uh, you know, if you want to message us and come and hang out, do something, I, I love it. Uh, I love to have people come out and visit and uh, check out the shop and, and don't have to buy anything, come and spend some time with us. But I, I guarantee you go in that hot corner, you're going to dig around, you're going to find some nice little gems and treasures uh, that we've put over there. So uh, Mike, I appreciate it. It's, it's a dream come true to be involved in a shop like this and the, and the things that we are doing now and planning to do that are even bigger. And so I hope to be able to share that with you as well as we move forward in this venture. And uh, I continued success to you as well, because you're, you're doing this thing, man. I love it. And it spawned from hanging out with your, you know, your, your a couple of your buddies and helping us out do the podcast. You start doing one and uh, I think you do a tremendous job and uh, keep it up. Cause I'm very proud to, to see where you, you know, call you a friend and see what you're doing. And I, I love it. So. It's just an honor to be on and hang out with you for a little bit today. Well, I, th I appreciate that. And yes, you know, getting a chance to be on with, with you guys early on when I was just doing the blog at that point kind of gave me a, a taste of what creating 
audio or video content can be. And so, you know, definitely played a, a role in the proof of concept of, of whether or not I was going to enjoy this type of thing. So thanks to you for that too. For those that aren't in the area, did you mention that that you guys also have a presence on eBay? Is there an eBay store? We're going to, yeah, the- we're going to start uh, that we have an eBay account. It's uh true sports cards, nine one six. Cause someone beat us to the other one. So, and then it's not even active, but true sports cards, nine one six. There's not any listings up there yet. I am uh, scanning like a crazed man over here and I'm going to start getting listings up. Uh, we're also going to have a website uh, up truesportscards.com. Uh, but in, that's going to have a bunch of memorabilia uh, and larger items on there, but that's also in the works. So those are the, you know, we wanted to shop up and going and we wanted to get a foundation here before we started sprint, branching out to other ventures. Um, but those are going to be coming in the future and you can always reach out to us or hit me up at big chef 79 on Twitter and we can chat there and uh, I can let you know when things are happening. So. Awesome. Well, thanks again. If you're out in the area, go check out the shop, start paying attention once they get stuff up online as well. I appreciate your time today, Tim. Always, always Mike. Thank you. Like the athletes we admire, the sports card shop is changing the game. We're not launching threes, bombing drives, or hitting dingers, but we have built a unique gathering spot for all collectors to trade cards, talk sports, play games, and watch their favorite athletes on the big screens. Yes, we've partnered with Panini, Upper Deck, Leaf, Tops, Fanatics, Pokemon, and others to bring you all the latest in sealed wax and singles. But the sports card shop in New Buffalo, Michigan is much, much more. Our recent expansion brings collectible sneakers, Hot Wheels, and more sports and entertainment memorabilia into the mix. Our new Collector's Cave game room is the perfect place to throw a rip party, bring friends, rip packs, trade cards, play billiards, ping pong, shuffleboard, classic arcade, and Xbox games, all while watching your favorite sport on TV. Visit us at thesportscardshop.com. Follow us on social at underscore sportscardshop.com. Or better yet, visit us in person to learn about special events, party packages, new products, and everything we're doing for you. The Sports Card Shop, connecting people, sports, and the hobby around the world. Well, it was great to hear from Tim. I hope there was a few things in there that you can take away to enhance your own enjoyment of the hobby or even take away if you're considering making that move into doing cards on a full-time basis. Thanks again to Tim for coming on. I'd like to hear your feedback now. Let me know what you took away from that conversation. Reach out to me on Twitter at TheMikeSummers. Send me an email at WaxPackHero at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram or TikTok at WaxPackHero. I'd love to hear what you thought about the show and what you took away from that conversation with Tim. Well, that's all I've got for you today, so I'll catch you next time.